0: Welcome back to Pat's Bench. And we still we're still on Bow Month, right? Yeah, we're still on Bow All Month. All month long. All month long. Can I start with something real quick? Uh, so, yeah. Since uh, since I recorded this week something we have a we have a new thing that happened. I want to show you. So yesterday I went to Waukegan in the morning. Oh,
1: oh I meant to ask you about this.
0: So yesterday morning I got a big hit and missed it. Oh yeah, you told me about that. What's next? I got a, I got a big hit. So then I'm sitting there and like I'm just looking. There's a lot of fish being caught at the time, you know. And I'm not going to tell you exactly where I go in the Waukegan yeah. Harbor, but it's Waukegan Harbor. Um, so, anyway, I'm sitting there thinking all day about it and all day about it. And finally, so I, I text Nick. I said, are you interested in going fishing tomorrow morning? And he's like, what time? I am thinking we'd have to get up at like 3 in the morning. Anyway, we decided to go last night. So, Like ending at midnight or starting at midnight? We started at – we got there probably about eight thirty, nine o'clock, and we ended at like 1 o'clock in the morning. Nice. But anyway, uh, so – this happened you see that picture wow so is that a king no funny story about that so no, nick what is it nick starts yelling i'm gonna to get to that nick nick starts yelling fish on fish on you know and so i i get the net you know you always got to bring a net with you because you're fishing off these big walls and i run over there and i scoop it up and i throw it on the shore and everyone's like oh look at that a salmon i said that's a steelhead i know that's a steelhead yeah and then everyone's like, "No, oh, that's a salmon. That's a salmon. So I'm like, all right, you know, I'm not very experienced in catching these things. So, okay, maybe it's a salmon. Later on, we're walking out with it, and the old guy says, oh, man, that's a nice steelhead. You know? Yeah. So but that's actually a steelhead. But holding it over there, it looked like a king. But when you brought it up here, it's like, wait a minute. That's definitely a steelhead, yeah. Um, but then later on, get this. And I'm curious, anybody listening that might know about this, is uh, later on, I'm casting this other side. And bam, set the hook to rock, goes, tut, 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 tut bit off like a pike. Really? You So you weren't doing a leader or? No, no leader. Uh Just throwing spoons. Why but, Why didn't you use a leader? Why would you use a leader? I mean, the bigger the fish, you should probably get a leader. Mm, it probably, I might've saved it. It bit it off, but I'm wondering, last year we saw a guy, it was like a 35 to a 40 inch pike he landed. And I'm wondering if I tied into one of those. Uh, I mean, would you have been disappointed? No, not at all. But it, <laughs> it was such an instant. It wasn't like a, it wasn't like a, you know like when you're fighting something and the line breaks?
1: Yeah, where it's like a kind of like a snap whip. You yeah. Know? And this then, is one
0: of those I'm, I'm starting to reel it in, and then all of a sudden there's no resistance. Just a yeah. clean cut, gone. Two minutes later, I tie a new spoon on, glow it up. Two minutes later, throw it out there. This is probably about midnight. Throw it out there, another hit, and I missed it. So I had, I had three fish on yesterday and missed them.
1: So that used to happen to me with jigs. You tie onto something big, and you're like, oh, man, I wonder what this is going to be. And then just a little choop.
0: And if there were some curly cues on the end of your line, you would no, say- No, that's the thing is a clean cut and the line flew away. So yeah. So that's it what came, I was getting at. It, came, it was so windy. It was like 20, 30 mile an hour winds right out of the lake. And the line actually blew away from me. I had to like crank it back in and get it. That's how clean of a cut. And it was just like gone. I'm like, what? No. I, at first I was thinking, oh, maybe it was a snag because it was like so- And I'm like, I don't feel anything. It bit it off. So but we, we did get a steelhead. So so
1: I, I had a half-assed attempt at trolling this uh, when we were up in Hayward this week. Yeah. And um, I- didn't tie into a fish but i definitely caught something on the bottom of the damn lake and uh i went to go pull on it just from the other angle <clears throat> and it just snapped and the line didn't untie i must have hit a rock you know how braid is, yeah like number one enemy of or rock is the number one enemy of braid it's yeah definitely what happened but
0: so anyway that's, that's good. cool that's yeah so we were successful finally in the harbors um Finally like dialing in what we had to do. I was sitting there thinking about it all day, I'm like I should never have left. I should never have left. It's like this is like perfect conditions, you know. So would
1: that experience be better from a boat?
0: Mm, no. I, I mean maybe a little bit cuz you can hit more spots you're not staying in the same spot. Right. But you're 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 fishing for traveling fish. So if you find them in a boat, they just happen to travel under you at that moment. If right. you find them on shore, they just But I mean there's no like, oh, I can target them better. It's that you get just to cover more spots out, you know, more out of boredom than anything. I'd like to do it out of a boat, but I just like fishing out of a boat more. You know. Yeah. But the other thing too was it was like you should see the waves coming in. These were probably four foot waves all night. Like it yeah. was dangerous. Yeah, we saw a couple of big boats going out there. How big? How big of a spoon you got? Uh it's a three quarter ounce or probably about nah, about that long. You know, about I'd say what would you say, an inch and a half, two inches long. Wow, three. I throw a little. So you Clios had to spin. To, what's that? You had to spin then. Oh yeah, yeah. I bought an eight foot six medium action rod to throw these things. Or medium heavy. And uh, I was launching these spoons with that new rod. Between 150 and 200 feet, I was throwing these spoons with that. So do you ever use a low-profile baitcaster? Nick did. I used to, and then I just realized you get a lot further. You're, you're fishing in such a big-ass lake that it's like as much distance as you could throw it out there to better advantage you have. That's why I bought the longer rod, and I use the spinning reel. And I, I can throw pretty far line.
1: with my with my stiff baitcaster. No uh, if I time.
0: gave you the spoon, I guarantee I'm doubling you in distance. I, I cannot believe how far, like this, so anybody that knows Waukegan Harbor, I'm standing, I'm just about hitting the other shore and, uh, and the channel going out. So I don't know how far it is. 200, 300 feet. I don't know, but i might like landing just in front. If there was a guy fishing directly across from me, I would have been tangling his line for sure. Oh, wow. I mean, I, th- let's just put it this way. I couldn't throw until the boats moved by because I would throw right in the boats you know wow wow. yeah this thing launches it that that, that came from uh, my boss he's he's a big guy he does this a lot and he told me you got to get a big rod so i went looking i bought a cheapo because they don't stock the good ones at bass pro i'm like 90 bucks i'll try it dude it's like so you actually start putting a rod down because you're waiting for this thing to land and then
1: this book i just finished reading it, it you know it's like the rise and the fall of the great lakes and like the the curves that they went through with fish and different types of fish and whatnot and uh There was a lot of times where there was this guy that went in the military and he came back and his favorite thing to do was to go fish on the shoreline. I forget what lake it was, but there was such like a, you know, there was such a like a revert in like how many fish there were in the lake and like how prominent they were because of the bait fish changing and stuff. And uh, he was there all by himself when he got back. And he was so like just depressed because this was his favorite thing to do. And now nobody's out there. Oh, okay. And he's not catching anything. So I was like, oh, but it's nice to see. You know, it's nice to hear that. It sucks that people are lined up right next to each other, but at the same time, it's it's cool. Yeah. It's more gap than that. But anyway, we're not talking fishing. Let's get into some bow stuff here. So you got your bow. You got your bright, nice, shiny, brand new bow. Chances are you got a sight and a rest, but I'm still going to talk about it anyway because these things are important. So This is like getting into your sight and arrest. Like what to look for after you just made a huge purchase of a bow. So we were talking last week is you get the basic sight, you get the basic uh, whisker biscuit, and those are great. A um, couple things to look for. You, you might dive down the YouTube hole and go through all these tuning things. My number one thing is like when you first start shooting, just shoot your boat and just keep shooting and shooting and shooting. And I made this huge mistake. I mean, I think we both did. One time you shoot left, you're like, oh, I'm off a little left. You're, you're really trusting that your shot was you know to the left so you move your sight i think we were i think we we're better than you, you like one arrow no we knew to shoot at least three you're right but my thing is is sometimes now i shoot even more than three i want hard evidence that i'm shooting to the left yeah definitely me too i, I, I it actually takes a lot for me to make an adjustment now yeah me too and uh the, you hear about people talk about windages and stuff like that when you're you know buying a rest and or a sight. and it's like you don't you wouldn't click off like, oh, the wind is twenty miles an hour. You know, at this moment, I'm gonna shoot, and so you wouldn't click off and adjust for twenty miles an hour. So you don't have to worry about that as much. I think. I don't know. What do you no,
0: think? No, I don't think you have to worry about windage as much because we're not shooting distances like a. You like know? a rifle. If yeah. you get if you get past say, hmm, I'm gonna say the closest at thirty yards, or even I'm gonna say even forty. I don't think the wind's going to play with it that much. At least it doesn't for me when I'm target practicing. And if it does play with it, it's like an inch at 40 yards.
1: My my thing is, it's like you'll hear the term windage, and you're like, oh, I can actually adjust for the wind. You don't want to because it's such a finite adjustment that you're really not going to know where to end back up. Yeah, with my bow, I would aim a little left or right versus actually changing the sight. It's all about getting used to it. But there's no problem with the whisker biscuit. We used them for, what, a year? Yeah. Um, We shot a lot of arrows through a whisker biscuit. And they do get worn out. There There is a pretty short lifespan in terms of you know, other rests to a whisker biscuit because they do get blown out. But uh, for no, but for your sight, now you started shooting your bow. Now you're pretty confident that, yeah, you're to the right. So the number one trick is, and everybody knows this, is if you're to the right, move your sight to the right.
0: Yeah, remember the, remember the little slogan, follow the arrow. Follow the arrow. Bingo. So if the is right, you move right. If it's up, you move up, so on and so forth. So follow the arrow. Don't overthink it. Follow the arrow. And you'll hear people talk about moving your D-loop.
1: Uh, we will do that in another episode because that goes along with my bow tuning episode.
0: Yeah, so we're, we're talking about doing a preliminary tuning maybe next week.
1: Uh, yeah, so next week is going to be like the light tuning and then the week after that is going to be like expert tuning. Okay. So there's several methods to do. But uh, now you've been shooting and you're thinking, hey, I'm going to get a different rest. Um, I'm going to get a different sight. We went to a higher end site that you can slide now there's no reason to do this if you don't plan on shooting more than sixty yards there's just absolutely no reason to do this um we belong to a range where you can shoot super long distance
0: yeah we were shooting at one point we were shooting 110 yards and uh, yeah you can really stretch it out if you're shooting from the parking lot you can do a buck 20 but yeah. that's kind of a joke you know. Yeah, I, I, right now I'm not interested just because I have my arrows so heavy that I'm not really interested in stretching it out more than 100. And even 100 is kind of like 80. I'll practice at 80 a lot.
1: Yeah, that's like a we're not prepped for
0: hunting. We're shooting super light arrows. We're going to see what this thing can do. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. But I'm not, I would never shoot my hunting arrows more than – my goal is to shoot accurately 60. I'm not there yet right now with these new broadheads. But yeah. Now you're wondering, hey, Pat, should I get a single pin or should I get a multi-pin? And that
1: totally 100% depends on if your sight is adjustable. If you have a single pin – that you don't
0: intend on adjusting. There's no point to own it because you are just going to be able to shoot one yardage. I I think if you're new to this, and even still I'm not exactly new to it. I'm not I'm no pro by any means, but I have a 5 pin. I wish I went with a 3 pin, but I'd get a multiple pin. If I had to say, if somebody's like, "Hey, which pin, which side?" I'd say get a multiple pin. Yeah, can I f- really would. Get a I would say for a beginner a 5 pin would be great cuz you can set it up the way I
1: mean the way we did it was 20 30 40 50 60. Yeah. But um,
0: realistically, if you're if you're hunting for the first time, you're not going to shoot more than 40, so you got your 20 30 40 on a 3 pin.
1: Yeah, and then what you could do is if you really don't want those two other pins and you don't want to take them out and deal with the unraveling, the fiber, and stuff
0: like that, you could just put them all the way at the bottom. That's what I did last year, finally, because I I didn't need the 50-60, you know. um, But that's, I mean, that's also depending
1: if you have the yardage to do this. A lot of places, and we're lucky with what we've got, but a lot of places don't offer anything more than 30. So there's an outdoor range that you can go shoot up to 60 near me, but it's like that you know that's for like the experts right so it's i don't know but there's there's a lot that you can do with just your site now we talked about the three pin versus the one pin and the slider versus the non-slider if this is new to you don't get a slider
0: they're just Just practice the, the biggest reason why i say don't get a slider if money is no option to you, go ahead get a slider you know but you're talking like 60 bucks versus $350. I mean, it's a huge difference in cost. I, w- I also used the gift card, but I I think I paid a
1: buck 25 for a slider at Bass Pro just just because I have two bows and I wanted another slider. Oh,
0: okay. So they're yeah, but we the one we bought is like highly machined and yeah. tight fitting dovetails and it's beautiful. Our site is actually beautiful, but we spent a lot of money on it. If somebody said, oh, "Look, I got to buy all this stuff. I'd start with the uh, start with the $60 site, you know."
1: And the other thing, too, this is all depending on if you've got your arrow setup that you want to go with. Like, let's say you're, you're hunting and, you know, I mean, you could start super basic. We can get into all that other stuff later with arrows and weights, and those are going to be in the more in-depth episodes. But um, right now, you want to just focus on getting your rest and your sight and getting them not dialed in at this point, but you're just trying to get a consistent shot. We can work on all the other fine stuff later.
0: Yeah, so once you mount this, we're going to get into tuning. But remember, the biggest thing with the sight is you mount it and follow the arrow with the pins. If you're shooting high, raise that pin. Shooting low, lower that pin. Uh, and then, like you said, I'd start with the whisker biscuit. There's the dropaways. But the other option is the dropaway, and they're way better than whisker biscuit. I was just biscuit. about to get into that. So oh, there's, okay. there's several types of uh, dropaways. You're
1: going to hear of one that's called like a ham ski. Um, I think I might, might be pronouncing that wrong. But uh, that's like a dropaway that kind of looks like – Kind of looks like a whale's tail. Now, when
0: you hear people talk about whale's tail, they're talking about something completely different with the sight. This is more archery competition shooting.
1: Yeah, and uh, but no, they still use it for hunting and stuff too. Dude,
0: okay, I, I, every time I see those competition guys, they have those.
1: There are the competition one that you're thinking of, where it's just a pin. It's just a, it's like a piece of spring steel. Yeah. That holds it, where they know the arrow is going to go right between the fletchings. It's got a real thin tail on it. Yeah. Um, but the one I'm talking about with the hamsky, it's like ours. It's just a different
0: type uh the one that i swear by is the vapor trail uh that one i've had good luck with it so i really like mine i I couldn't get the qad the drop away i couldn't get the qad to shoot straight but i can get this one to shoot straight that brings me in my next one is a qad
1: so the qad is a lot harder to tune uh dan's got one he swears by it
0: um you ever paper tune his though
1: yeah we did paper tune his. it's,
0: it's on i could never get mine to paper tune right with mine
1: it's it's uh yeah i mean it depends on the day
0: You know, it's now that I shoot heavier arrows, it might work, you know, now that I have better arrows, but
1: the the big difference to me that separates me from a QAD and I'm not trying to sound like a vapor trail commercial here is that the QAD, when you drop your bow, like when you drop the string and when you let it go, the QAD drops. And now that arrow's free floating when it's not really being accelerated yet. Um, with the rest that we have, it drops about like 70 to three quarter percent or (coughs) sorry, 70 to 75 percent, um, down the like down. So what he means
0: is it holds the travel of the arrow for seventy percent of the travel of the arrow. And it kind of just drops out of the way before the fletches go past. So right. this this gives you a guide
1: going down, like starting. So your arrow doesn't want to, you know, come off and go left or right. So that's what makes this a little bit more user friendly. So the one thing you're gonna hear is limb driver versus non limb driven. Now I like the limb driven ones. I know people claim that they take poundage away from your bow and all this stuff. I really don't think that compressing this little spring is going to be dropping
0: your no your poundage all that much. Sorry if you guys can hear the shepherd whining. She's uh she's squeaking, she needs some attention right now while oh, she's we're recording. Right.
1: Now, um I mean a QAD versus limb driver. Now that the, the Hamski is also a limb driver. Um but there's these different types of rests where they will always sell it in a pro version and like a regular basic version. Now, if you're going to be the guy that's going out hunting, you don't need the pro version because the pro version has these finite little adjustments where you can just They're turn pretty a nice
0: adjustments, though. I, I could tell you from my $60 QAD, I wish I bought the pro one when I had that.
1: It's nice to have, but a lot of the time, it's like 150 bucks in price difference.
0: Oh, big, it's a big difference. But and, if, if you're talking, when we get into tuning, uh, I'll tell you why. It's important.
1: Uh, the other thing, too, is weight. Um, those pros add a lot of weight because they have extra dials. Mm, the mechanism's
0: bigger. Um, they look like a bigger uh, rest, too.
1: But again, if you're a beginner, you don't got to worry about this stuff. Tie on your whisker biscuit, put on your sight.
0: And so just real get to quick, shoot? we didn't exactly say why a whisker biscuit wasn't a good option. Um, And a whisker biscuit, so you literally, it's pretty close, but your fletching has got to hit the whiskers.
1: Yeah, you actually got to push the arrow, fletchings included, through the whiskers. And that that causes drag. That And,
0: and it just it slows that arrow down just a little bit. Not, I mean, if you got the bow tuned, because uh, I helped a guy paper tune. He didn't know about paper tuning. And so his whisker biscuit was so far off; it actually blew the whiskers out. Like you look, and it was all blown out. Yeah. Like man, mine never looked like that. Well, we paper tuned it, and it had that sideways trail in it. You know, and this is that's the kind of stuff that you just don't notice when you're
1: setting stuff up. Now, if you got it from a bow shop, they're going to get you close. He did. He had this bow set up for him by okay. our well, guy. Well, if you got it from a from oh from our guy, yeah. Okay, well, if you get it set up from somebody who cares a little bit more, I think. Yeah. Uh, right. Or is not in a hurry. Uh, you're not going to have these problems.
0: No. We didn't. He set ours up. We didn't have any of these problems. It no. was just a, he, he just eyeballed something wrong. But it, the whisker biscuit was blown out. I mean, we got to go pay. Don't shoot anymore. We got to go paper and We did. No kidding. It shot. It was, we got it. And then it stopped blowing that whisker biscuit out. My main thing that I wanted to kind of wrap this episode
1: up with is guys at the bow shop, they're going to have their opinions, right? But you need to form your own. And it's just like it's just like firearm guys, the gun shop guys. You can't tie on to somebody else's religion and roll with it because you really need to kind of figure out what you like for yourself. Now, I like the dropaways Um, for a while. I think you really like the whisker biscuit and you're thinking, why is there? there And I think the whisker
0: biscuit is the most reliable rest you can buy.
1: It is. And it's got no moving parts.
0: That's what I mean. It's the most reliable. It's going to work. You don't have to play with strings and timing. I think I think if there was like a cleaner way of doing a whisker biscuit, that, that's probably what I'd have.
1: It is super quiet. Um, the one thing I didn't like when I was taking my whisker biscuit in the woods, the like one of the first times I went hunting, is that uh, if you rub that through bush, if a stick got caught in there, it'd kind of rip some of your, some of your whiskers out. So it's just not – I don't think of it as being as tough as a drop away, but it is more reliable. So it's kind of like – I don't know. It's a fine line on that.
0: Yeah, I think if it didn't slow it down so much, I'd still be on a whisker biscuit.
1: Probably, it, but
0: I mean, you probably lose ten feet a second, twelve, maybe maybe fifteen or twenty. I don't know. But like, the boat the is definitely run, faster. In the long run, they might even be harder to tune. And the, on on a whisker biscuit, it is a wearable item. You
1: are going to blow one out. It just depends on how long. So, but uh, that all you got. Yeah, I mean, get your bow, get shooting. This is keep in mind; these are the beginner episodes. We're just trying to stay as basic as possible here. Yeah,
0: and just kind of you know familiar familiarity, however you say that, uh, with the terms and stuff. But if, you, if if right now if somebody says, "I just bought my new bow. I spent two grand on it. and I, I'm kind of out of money." I would tell you to go spend less than hundred bucks on a site and get a whisker biscuit for twenty or thirty bucks, and you'll be shooting straight for a while. We'll worry about the we'll worry about it next season. And the other
1: thing too is. Um, when you're out there and you're thinking, man, I got this dialed in, the next time you pick up your bow, it's not going to be dialed in. And it's not because anything happened to the bow. It's just because you were so – you had the same grip all that one day and now something small changed, either if it's in your grip or the way you're looking down the sight or, you know. But don't go crazy adjusting your sight when you first start out because it's going to drive you nuts because you're going to go left. We're not going to get into tuna now, are we? No, not on this one.
0: Yeah, uh, we'll, Next, next week, week, Next week we're going to talk more about the tuning side. Yeah, we're going to do like a
1: basic tuning setup.
0: Yeah, that, you'll be shooting straight arrows fast, you know.
1: So that, that's next week. And but then
0: even if you think you're already set up, next week might be a double, nice double check for you.
1: And right at the beginning of the next week's episode, you'll hear why I didn't want to go into tuning right off the bat. You're thinking, well, why shoot a bow if it's not going to be tuned? Well, I'll tell you why. And that's it on the next episode. So please listen in. That's it? That's it. All right, thanks, Pat.